I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome along to the La Liga Lowdown podcast to our first Match day recap of the 2020-2021 season. Each of our match day recaps are also rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 and available on LaLigaLowdown.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Drew McTeer, and I'm thrilled to be back discussing another season of La Liga football with you. We did only have seven fixtures in the opening round of action because Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Sevilla, Hitafi and Elche were not in action. They were given a little extra time off since they finished last season so late. But we do have so many, so many interesting storylines to get into this week. And there's maybe none more interesting than Valencia. They've had a wild summer as there's been a fire sale at the club and there have been several fan protests, including before Sunday night's Valencian derby against Levante. They then conceded to Jose Luis Morales just 34 seconds into their first game of this new season, but managed to fight back to win 4-2. And Valencia are, actually, at this moment in time, our La Liga leaders on goal difference and goals scored. So, let's bring in La Liga Lowdown's man in Valencia, Paco Pollitt, to discuss Sunday night's derby. But Paco, before we get into the game, let's start by going back to Friday and to new Valencia coach Javi Gracia's comments in the pre-match press conference. What did he say and how surprising were his remarks. Well, I believe he just stated the obvious, you know, that the squad is objectively weaker than last season, which is true, okay? Even though people think he was very blunt in his assessment. Javi Gracia got told big players would be sold. He was okay with that. But again, he was promised that new players would eventually arrive. And this last thing didn't happen. That's why he was angry with the president. And that's why he was so open with his remarks. Nobody likes being lied to their face. So, yeah, it was surprising, but not really that much. Even if he was accurate with his comments, the owners and the board wouldn't have liked that criticism. Could that put his job at risk? We definitely know President Anil Murthy wasn't happy after listening to his press conference. In fact, this weekend, the last news we had was that Murthy wanted to have a word in the first days of the week with the manager to complain about the content of his controversial presser. Don't know if his job will be in risk after winning the derby, but Gracia should know he's playing with fire, as we remember past conflicts between managers and Valencia's board. 
Let's move on to the derby then. It started horribly for Valencia. What were your thoughts when Morales scored that super early goal just 34 seconds in? Well, I obviously thought that Valencia's defense made things extremely easy for Jose Luis Morales. It was just awful, something not really belonging to a first division team. And things looked really bleak for them, but fortunately for Valencia, they were able to level the game very, very quickly. Yeah, Valencia fought back and showed excellent determination. Gabriel made it 1-1, then Morales scored another brilliant goal, but Maxi Gomez equalized and then super sub Manu Vallejo scored two late goals for Valencia for the three points. It's clear that Valencia don't have as much talent as last season, but it looks like they have a good competitive spirit, doesn't it? Yeah, when you lack the quality, you must compensate with something else. Take, for example, Serbian midfielder Uros Rasic. He's no Francis Coquelin, for example, but the way he played in the second half, his hustle, the hunger he showed, made a big impact in the development of the game. Attitude is something that, thankfully, we will probably be able to rely upon under Javi Gracia this season. Rosic was one of Javi Gracia's substitutions who came on for the final 20 minutes and they really did the trick. Manu Vallejo, the match winner, was another. So does Gracia deserve a lot of credit? Yeah, I believe that all of the subs were spot on and actually it was the coach, Javi Gracia, who won the game from the dugout. And uh, um, Manu Vallejo's performance was absolutely clinical, okay? And his brace was too much for Levante to handle. Vallejo didn't really seem as a regular starter at the beginning of the season, but who knows, if he keeps scoring and showing such attitude every single game, he might play much more than people really expect. I want to ask you about Yunus Musa, the 17-year-old England youth international. He made his debut for the Valencia first team. How did he do and what are the expectations for him? He did really, really well. He did great. Man of the match, in my view. Even more deserved than Vallejo with his brace or Kangin Lee with his two assists or Maxi Gomez with his leadership. Yunus Musa was super comfortable on the pitch through and through. A very, very surprising performance for a player who is only 17 and who was making his debut. He should be Valencia's wing player on the right and really allow Carlos Soler to slot in in the midfield alongside Condogbia because... I'd say John Vicente Esquerdo was one of the weakest players on Sunday. So overall, Yunus was absolutely brilliant. Finally, what will Levante be feeling after this game? I mean, Paco Lopez must be ruining this missed opportunity. Absolutely. A very, very big opportunity missed. I think Levante will enjoy few chances as clear as they had this season to win at Mestalla. Remember, they haven't been able to do such thing ever in modern history. Overall, they dominated in the first half, but they were too weak, too soft at the back and Valencia really hammered them after the halftime. Levante should really aim for better results and more ambitious goals, but it just seems they're unable to fully show their potential whenever they play at Mestalla. Very, very disappointing overall. A few signings in their defense, in my view, wouldn't hurt either. Thanks, Paco. We're going to move on now to a new segment that we're going to be running this season. We know that a lot of listeners like the commentary clips of goals and of big moments that we bring you in this podcast, so that's what's led to the birth of the sore throat game of the week section of the podcast. 
where we're going to bring various pieces of eccentric commentary from a match that contained such drama that the commentators couldn't help but go wild with their description of the action. This week, our sore throat game of the week is Alaves versus Real Betis, where Betis won 1-0 thanks to a brilliant Kristen Tail goal in the 94th minute. So here's Matt Clark to break down the commentary of that strike. Betis got off to a winning start under Manuel Pellegrini, but they left it oh so late at Mendy Farotha. Substitute Christian Teo handed them victory in extremis right at the end of the match. A well-worked quick-thinking corner routine caught Alaves napping deep into injury time. Diego Lainez played it short to Sergio Canales, who found Teo in space on the corner of the penalty area. He then stepped inside Pedepons onto his left foot and struck a powerful drive beyond Fernando Pacheco. Claudio Bravo ran all the way to the technical areas to celebrate with the staff. Gol en la Liga Santander, la mejor liga del mundo. El corner que votaba el Betis lo hizo rápidamente a Cristian Te eh, Diego Lainez que le dio a Cristian Tello que incomprensiblemente recibió absolutamente solo dentro del área. Le, da, le dio tiempo a preparar la pierna, cruzó el balón, ajustó mucho al palo y no le llegó, no le dio tiempo a llegar a Fernando Pacheco. Minuto 94. The Onda Cero commentators rejoiced at this late winner, proclaiming goal in La Liga Santander, the best league in the world. They described Teo as absolutely alone inside the area, and he prepared himself to shoot with his left. Es Javi López, el chaval del Alavés, el único que reacciona porque ha habido un momento un poco eh, córner del Barça en Anfield, de todos dormidillos, y cuando reacciona eh, tiene que elegir entre si tapa el tiro de Tello o el pase de Tello a Lainez. Ha elegido tapar el pase y le ha dejado el tiro. Eh, pues eso, 0-1 en el último minuto, pero nunca mejor dicho, aunque van a añadir un segundillo más. Cadena Cope were damning of the Alavés defense, comparing the goal with the infamous Divock Origi goal against Barcelona, saying... A goal that was a bit like Barcelona Anfield, they're all asleep. In the end, it proved to be a contrasting tale for the new coaches on the benches. For Alaves, Pablo Machín couldn't quite get the formula right for a positive result, but on the other hand, Manuel Pellegrini's reign begins on a winning note. He has now won his first game in charge at all four of the Spanish clubs he has coached, Villarreal, Real Madrid, Malaga and now Betis. It was a rare away win. Los Verde Blancos only won once on the road all season in the last campaign. That was at Mallorca. So if you talk about away wins in mainland Spain, as Colin Miller pointed out, you have to go all the way back to the final game of 2018-19, where they triumphed at Santiago Bernabeu in Quique Setien's final game in charge. Feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Thank you, Matt. Some very late drama making for a perfect start to the Manuel Pellegrini era at Real Betis. A big three points for them to start the campaign. We're going to take a short break now, and after this we'll return for part two of our Match Day 1 recap. That's coming up in just a few ticks. Mom. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host Hello and welcome back to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. It's our match day recap from the opening round of fixtures. So let's talk now about the very first match we had. The game that started the 2020-2021 La Liga season. It was Ibar versus Celta Vigo and I'll be honest with you, it was pretty dull. It was a bit of a stinker. Both of these teams still haven't completed their squads fully and you could tell they were both quite disjointed and that's what led to it being such a slow game of football. Iber coach Jose Luis Mandili Bars never one to bite his tongue and he was very critical of his team afterwards saying my best players today were the ones who didn't play. Now let's move on from Iber versus Celta Vigo and discuss Granada 2 Athletic Club nil. This was actually supposed to be the first match of the season and was supposed to take place on Friday night but the latest dispute between the Spanish Federation and La Liga saw it moved to Saturday. Luis Rubiales and the Federation say Friday night and Monday night games are bad for match-going fans and wanted this game moved, even though every game is behind closed doors right now and there are no match-going fans. I think a lot of us were scratching our heads on that one. Anyway, the few people who were inside Los Carmenes saw Granada pick up where they left off last season. Their final match of last season was a 4-0 home victory over Athletic Club and then this time it was a 2-0 win over Athletic Club with Yangel Herrera heading in the opening goal of the season after he'd previously had another goal ruled out for a fill. Then Luis Mia scored a beautiful second, shooting from the edge of the area and kissing the post with his shot. This sets Granada up really nicely for the Europa League qualifier on Thursday, away at Teuta Dures in Albania. Let's hope Granada go there and get the job done and win that one. And why not? They're on a high. But Athletic Club, oofed. This did not look good. So let's discuss the Bass side now with Bobal-based journalist Benya Gutierrez. Benya, Athletic Club weren't as bad as when they lost 4-0 at Granada 
at the end of last season, but they were still quite bad, weren't they? Atleti was only half as bad as the season before, losing only by, by two. But I guess, jokes aside, it was a poor performance by Athletic. I don't think, though, it was a surprise at all. First of all, because they ended last season poorly, and that wasn't uh, that long ago. And then because preseason was quite troublesome for Athletic with six players testing positive for COVID-19, and then spending a good part of the preseason not uh, training with the, with the group. The game felt actually like a continuation of last season with some changes in the cast, but the same script. Athletic struggled offensively, and then they made those mistakes that usually end in goals against. What is the view of Gaisca Garitano in Bilbao right now? How much pressure is the coach under? Well, it's difficult to define what the fans think besides what we can read on social networks because due to the current situation we don't have such a thing as the post-game arguments or debates we could find in any bar or basically in, in any place. That said, I think it's quite obvious that the trust level in Garitano is, is quite low. He is a defensive coach and I would say he is quite an unexciting one. So that's not even the main criticism he's facing from, from supporters. What they are asking him is to give more chances to young players like Sanset or Vencedor, even if that means a worse performance in the short term. Supporters feel that there's a great generation of young players that are ready to take the next step and they need the trust of the coach and they think Garitano should look at Athletic's future and not that much at immediate results. Hmm, interesting. Garitano had some interesting comments too about a former academy graduate and one of the current stars in Yaki Williams before the game saying that he needs to score more goals this season then Williams didn't start, but there's a reason for that, isn't there? Iñaki Williams was one of the players who had coronavirus during the preseason that kept him two weeks at home, not training with his teammates, and that probably means that he's not 100% ready for the demands of a new season. So it makes sense that Garitano decided to start him on the bench. This is also the first post-Adurit season for Athletic. It's obvious that the club needs to find a new source of goals. I guess they should have got ready for this moment before, considering that Adurit wasn't a key factor last season. And it's also obvious that there's not such a player who can single-handedly add all the goals Athletic needs. It's going to be a collective effort. Garitano knows it. And I feel like he knows also that Williams must have a relevant role in that effort. We need to see if Garitano is going to give him minutes playing as a striker instead of keeping him in one of the wings, which I feel kind of hurts his goal production. There's some good news at Athletic Club right now because John Marcillo looks like an exciting young talent. He had his debut. How did he do? John Morcillo was the silver lining for Athletic supporters in the game against Granada. He's a fast and powerful left wing who fits perfectly on Garitano's football idea. He's quite vertical when he has the ball, but then he's generous on his effort to help the left back defensively. He played well against Granada, mostly in the first half, and he may have some chances during the season, mostly if Raul plays as the striker, which means 
means that Muniain won't have to start on, on the wing. And we've seen that last season that left wing was one of the most uh, contested positions for Athletic with Cordoba, who's not a fan favorite and wasn't particularly bright last uh, year. So that opens the door for this young John Morcillo, who scored twice during the preseason against Alaves and against Eibar. Finally, do you think it's necessary for Athletic Club to go out and sign somebody in the transfer market? Because you did already mention how much the supporters just want to see youngsters coming through. There are two players who have been linked to Athletic in the recent weeks. Javi Martinez, who left the club in 2012 and since then has been playing for Bayern Munich. There are lots of emotion and also football factors to analyze about his potential signing. We shouldn't ignore that there's a part of the supporters of Athletic who still feel betrayed uh, for the way he left the, the club. Then the question is, would he improve the level of the squad? I think so, despite some of the opinions you can easily gather on the social networks. But there's another question that I, I think is important. Would he solve the problems Athletic has in the midfield? I'm not very optimistic uh, about that. And not because of Jaime Martinez, but because of the way Garitano would use him. And again, if Athletic is on a rebuilding process, which seems quite obvious, maybe bringing a 32-year-old is not the best idea. The other name is Alex Berenguer, former Osasuna player, who now plays for Torino. He's 25, he's a good player, that would be a good addition to the squad, but he plays on the same position, for example, as Morcillo does, and may send a bad message to the academy players. Thanks, Benya, for the insight there. Really interesting stuff, and it'll be fascinating to see how Gary Tano does this season. I noticed a poll on social media from our friends of the Inside Athletic account, and they asked if Gary Tano would see out the season. 81% said no. He just hoped for his sake that he at least stays for the postponed Copa del Rey final. I think he does at least deserve that. Now, let's move on next to Cadiz versus Osasuna. This is a match that took place in the prime time spot on Saturday night and it was chosen by the Movistar team because, well, this is the match that Michael Robinson would have chosen. Michael Robinson loved all Spanish football but had a special connection with these two teams. It was by joining Osasuna in 1987 that he first moved to Spain. Then it was at Cadiz that he worked as a director, falling in love with the city where he believed, genuinely believed, his ancestors were from. Now, here were his two beloved clubs facing off in the top division on opening weekend, less than five months after his sad passing in April. There were tributes to Michael Robinson before the match from the players and the clubs, and there absolutely would have been from the fans too had they been in the stadium. Sadly, that couldn't be the case. And it's a real shame because these are two clubs with brilliant fan bases who get along so well. Listen to this clip of Caddies and Osasuna fans singing together the last time they met in the second division back in May of 2019. That was the two sets of fans chanting Todos a una, Cadiz Osasuna. All together, 
Cadiz Osasuna. Somewhere up there, Michael Robinson was probably chanting that too as he watched on on Saturday night. And you'd have seen Osasuna win the match. It was not a particularly happy first game back in La Liga for Cadiz, who were back up for the first time since 2005-2006. Goals from Adrian 10 minutes in and Ruben Garcia 10 minutes before the end settled this one. That earned Osasuna a 2-0 victory and we'll have to see how Cadiz get on over the next weeks and see if they do it any better when their coach Alvaro Cerbera is back because he missed this one due to a case of coronavirus. Dispuesto de ahí Roberto López. Toca, cierra mucho el balón. Se le coló entre las manos gol. Jordi Masip que no se espera que la pelota le llegue directa porque se cruza por delante. There's another snippet of commentary for you there, this time from Movistar from the Real Valladolid versus Real Sociedad game on Sunday afternoon. This one finished 1-1. Thanks to that goal we just heard, after Michel Herrero put Real Valladolid 1-0 up in the first half, Real Sociedad equalised in the second when Roberto Lopez scored from a free kick. It had an awful lot though to do with Real Valladolid goalkeeper Jordi Masip. He spilled the free kick into the goal awfully. As they said in the commentary clip, he wasn't expecting the free kick to come straight to him. He thought it was going towards the head of an opposition attacker, but... It went right through him and his position in the team may be in doubt. His coach, Sergio Gonzalez, has dropped him a few times before and Real Valladolid went out and signed former Olympiacos, Benfica, Real Zaragoza goalkeeper Roberto from West Ham in the summer. Let's see if he's given the gloves next weekend. Now, there's one more game we've not discussed yet and that's Villarreal versus Huesca. There was a lot of hype about Villarreal coming into the season. On our La Liga Lowdown Twitter account, which you should check out if you haven't already, over there we had a thread with the predictions of all the La Liga Lowdown contributors for each team this season, and the average prediction we had for Villarreal was 5th, but they didn't start the Unai Emery era with a win. It was only 1-1 against newly promoted Tuesca. Villarreal did start brightly in the first half, but were sucker punched by a really nice team goal from Huesca as Pablo Maffeo, who only signed with them on Tuesday, scored the opener. Then Maffeo gave away a penalty for handball in the second half to allow last season's Zara Trophy winner Gerard Moreno to score. The Zara Trophy, remember, is the one for the top scoring Spaniard. That made it 1-1, a quite disappointing result for Villarreal to be honest. To get a fan's perspective, let's bring in Alan Dodson of the Villarreal USA SB Nation website. Now Alan, can you explain the disappointment Villarreal fans are feeling considering all the hype there was going into this season? Yeah, another exciting season of La Liga football has commenced. Uh, was hoping it would be a little more exciting in the Ceramica than it was. One um, one, the final score after a after a pre a preseason, albeit a short preseason, where we ha- had a new coach and some new signings and a lot of excitement. I would say it wasn't really the start we'd hoped for, um, but. I also think that we also know that this is not a team that is going to come out of the blocks at top form. Um, between the short preseason and the ins and outs, I think it just will take some time for the team to gel. I thought that the team had a good game plan, and especially for the first half hour, looked looked pretty dangerous. I felt like as the match went on, um, we were maybe um, needed we needed a flash of creativity from somebody that wasn't quite there um, 
I think this was a match where we really needed um, that, you know, Santi Cazorla at the top of his game, one of those passes that that only he sees <laughs> that uh, sends somebody in to score. Um, but overall, it was a it was a performance that was not not great. It was not terrible. Um, I think if we had gotten a uh, second goal, it would have been deserved for most people. Um, but that's that's the way it is. I I think the team um, is still coming together. But it was interesting that I guess what I would say was I felt compared to the beginnings of last season, there seemed more purpose in, in our attack and more more planning, which is kind of what you would expect with Emery. What did you think about the new signings who played? So Danny Parejo, Francis Coquelin, and then Taki Fuzakubo, who came on as a sub. As far as the new signings went, um, Coquelin, until he had to leave with a, with a knee injury, which... It, Fortunately, it doesn't look like it's too serious. Um, I thought he did a good job at what he was asked to do. He, he's a um, good ball winner in midfield. Um, you know, good defensive player. I was I was really happy with um, with him. Um, Danny Parejo. I think we were hoping for a little more. I think I would say he had a an okay game, not a great game by his standards. Um, and then um, Take um, Kubo came in only with about 20-25 minutes left. And uh, to be honest, I think most of what I took away from from him was that he's got talent, but he's quite young. Um, yeah, he 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 really looked like he was 19 out there some of the time, and um, that'll that'll come too. Thanks, Alan. So a disappointing start for Villarreal. We'll see how they get on next time out because. This is going to be one of the stories to watch this season. Of course, we'll be discussing it all on La Liga Lowdown, whether here on this show or on our website or on our Twitter account. We also have another season of our fantasy football competition and you can join in too. It's not too late. It's only one round you've missed if you've not signed up yet. So there's plenty of time to catch up on my team and my points total. For now, I want to thank all the contributors to this Match Day 1 episode. That's Paco Pollitt, Matt Clark. Benyat Gutierrez and Alan Dodson. I've been your host, Drew McTeer. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please tell your fellow Spanish football fans about us so they can join in the fun next week. Until then, have a great week and thanks for listening today. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 